Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 7th, the Make Daycare Great Again edition. I'm Gabriel Roth. I'm an editor at Slate, and I'm the father of Eliza, who's seven years old, and Leo, who is three and three quarters. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. I'm a journalist and podcaster. I live in New Hampshire, and I am mom to Henry, who is 16, Teddy, who is 15, and my stepdaughter, Lily, who is 17. I am Sam Adams. I am a senior editor at Slate. I live in Philadelphia, and I'm the father of Sophia, who is nine years old. Carvel Wallace is out today. He'll be back next week today on our show. We have a question about whether to entrust your child to a daycare provider who is also a Trump supporter. And another about what to do when your stepkids are taking liberties with your fancy beauty products. Plus, as always, we'll have triumphs, we'll have fails, we'll have recommendations. And on Slate Plus today, a very special guest appearance from my younger and more athletic brother, Zach, who has quite (laughs) a parenting triumph to share. Don't miss it. Let's start with triumphs and fails. Rebecca, you want to go first? Triumph or fail? Yep. It's a huge triumph, and I'll keep it simple. Uh, My stepdaughter, Lily, graduated from high school this week. We went to her graduation, and... um Man, it was really something. She goes. She goes to a. Uh, she went. I should say to a very big, for New Hampshire, uh, Catholic high school in uh, Nashua, which is um, about forty-five minutes from where we live. I didn't really like interact a lot with her high school experience, just because you know we live up here and my kids go to school where we live, and she goes to school down there. And um, so I got to go to her high school graduation, and it was a lot of pomp. And a lot of circumstance, literally. And it was beautiful. And she is a high school graduate. And it is one of those things that you imagine will happen to your kids someday. You know, graduating high school, going to prom, going to college, getting married, all the things you imagine that they may do. This is one of those things. And it's really something. It was very, very moving. Uh, my husband cried like a baby. And uh, it was really wonderful. So, yeah, high school graduate in the family. We're very excited about that. That's great. Congratulations. I have a fail. I also have an end of school year uh, phenomenon, but but mine is a fail. Um, if you remember, I talked about this a while ago, but Eliza wanted to take guitar lessons. She wanted to learn guitar, and so we signed her up for guitar lessons. And we told her, you know, you got if you want to do this, then you can do it, but you have to commit to practicing, and you have to, uh, like, make a commitment to it and you're not always going to want to practice but you got to do it anyway because that's the only way you get good at anything and all when you watch a show and there's somebody playing guitar you're only seeing them looking cool because they can play guitar but they only get to do that because they practice lots and lots and lots of times and and so this is a chance for you to do that too and she's like yes i am committed to this i want to do this i am going to do this and of course like from day one she didn't want to practice of course she didn't nobody likes practicing guitar it's awful uh, and and I made a commitment to myself that I would encourage her to do it, that we would make it part of the schedule, it would be part of the routine. It's only 15 minutes a day. She can do it when she gets home from school and like that. Um, and I just completely 100% fell down on that 
commitment to myself and to her. And and every now and again, I would nag her about practicing. And maybe like over the course of the past school year, I would say there's probably been like five occasions, maybe six when I have done that. And, and every other time I have not because uh, I have other things on my mind and it's not always fun to nag a kid to do something that they don't want to do. And now it's the end of the year and the like guitar music lessons recital was coming up and she was like, I don't want to do this. I haven't been prepared for it, which is true. Like they hadn't been like working up to it and, and she can play a couple of her things a little bit, but she didn't feel comfortable getting up on stage in front of people and doing it. And I frankly didn't blame her. Um, and I don't know if she's going to continue doing these guitar lessons, but, um, really like this was a missed opportunity on, on my part because it was always obvious that she was going to respond to it this way. The only thing that was maybe up for grabs was, would I respond to it in the way that I did? And it turns out, yeah, I am. I'm going to respond to it in that way. Fail. Hmm. All right. What about you, Sam? I have a fail as well. Um, the last time I came on this program, I had a triumph. Um, I, I think it's probably fair to say bragged a little bit about taking Sophia to her first concert, going to see Lord with her, and went on a little bit about my philosophy about of kind of as someone who writes about culture a lot of, of wanting to share that with my child, but not kind of pushing things on her, just having things around and leaving her to discover them. Uh, the one exception to this, the one uh, sort of instance in which I had no chill uh, was Alice in Wonderland, which is a huge, hugely important book to me. Um, I tried to read with her probably three years ago, maybe when she was about five or six. Um, she did not take to it then. I decided I was going to try again and actually say, okay, after we finish reading these books, we're going to read Alice next. Um, got through one night, uh, half an hour, I think about two chapters. Um, and then she relayed a message uh, via my wife because evidently she <laughs> realized this was going to be a big enough disappointment that she didn't want to tell me directly. But I got the message through a, a, an intermediary that she no longer wished to continue <laughs> reading Alice in Wonderland. Um, I felt like she's nine now. The book was written for a 10-year-old girl. She ought to be able to um, take it now. But she basically said, well, you know, I've seen the movie. I know the story. Um, you know, it's not exciting. She likes kind of exciting um, adventure stories. And, and this, uh, as much as I tried to convince her that there was some adventure later on, I was really not having it. So that I just had to, um, I took it pretty hard, I think. Uh, I was kind of a little sulky about it for probably a couple hours, but um, <laughs> I managed to uh, to push through it and, and we're okay now. Do you think the issue is with the content of the book not being to her taste? Or do you think it's that you like put too much stuff on it? I, I mean, I do think it's the former. I mean, I, I definitely kind of, you know, betrayed myself in this. And I think she knows that I value like reading enough, for example, that she knows if yeah, I'm telling her it's time for bed and she says, well, can I just read for 10 minutes? She knows I'm going to say yes to that. Like, I'm just I'm a really easy mark in that respect. I think it's very obvious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, it is it is a deeply rereading it now it's been a few years i mean it is a deeply kind of weird and, and disturbing book and of course that's that's what i like about it but i think i also got into it uh through i think the annotated version by martin gardner when i was in junior high you know maybe 12 13 myself so uh, you know maybe in three or four years i'll i'll have grown enough of a shell around this to to risk myself again just leave it lying around yes. in a few years yeah. <laughs> don't 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 like nag her about it don't bug her about it yes. 
I know that. And I just, this is the one thing where I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I knew it was going to happen and it happens. Um, Isn't it funny when you have that? We were talking, we talked about that with uh, a few weeks ago with colleges and how I'm trying to like pretend that I don't want Henry to like, super want him to apply to a certain school that he just seems completely uninterested in applying to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that self-awareness about your lack of chill can sometimes be the key and sometimes not. Sometimes it just is what it is and you just need to let it go. Well, it's <laughs> so, like, you know, dogs can smell fear and kids can smell your <laughs> desire for them to do something. And it's just... <laughs> well, but so, Rebecca, is there a follow-up to that? Does that did, are you implying that you were able to successfully withhold your opinion Opinions about colleges and thus manipulate Henry into applying to the college that you wanted him to apply to. No, it's not time for him to apply to anything yet. But uh, in, in the in the uh, time that has passed between then and now, he has taken the SATs, which is also like one of those things where he was just like, well, you know. Uh, the I don't want to go to the kind of place that requires like really high SAT scores. Just think that's like snobby. <laughs> I don't know. He's just in the thing, and uh, but of course he did really well in the SATs. So now you know <laughs> these options are still on the table. So he um no, we're just not talking about. It. I'm just avoiding. No, I'm, I'm in that. Uh, I'm, playing, I'm in the leaving Alice around uh, phase right now. You're I'm playing the long play game. Cool. Yeah, my parents right. definitely did that. They made it clear that they wanted me, you know, to apply to like, you know, a certain level of school. And I was just like, nope, <laughs> I did not apply to any of <laughs> it's those It's not schools, my choice. So. It's not my choice. I, have, yeah. I can have opinions. Yeah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm coming to terms with it, I think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we move on, let's do the business. As always, if you have a question that you would like us to answer on air, leave us a message at 424-255-7833, or you can email us at momanddad at slate.com. On Slate Plus today, you've heard about him. Now you'll get to meet him. It's my younger and more athletic brother, Zach Roth. He has a parenting triumph on the baseball diamond, uh, a little league triumph. Stick around for that segment if you're a Slate Plus member. If you want to hear that segment and another like it every week, sign up for Slate Plus. It's a great way to help support the show. And for just $35 for your first year, you help cover the cost of producing this and your other favorite Slate shows. And in return, you get extended and ad-free versions of every episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting and all your other favorite Slate shows. So go to slate.com slash momanddadplus and join Slate Plus today. Okay, let's go. Let's take a question. This is a question that was left for us in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Um, some of you I know are still not yet members of the Slate Parenting Facebook group, just numerically. I know that. And uh, that is crazy to me. If you like and listen to this show, uh, you should definitely be participating. Uh, just go to Facebook and search for Slate Parenting. Uh, anyway, let's take a question. This one is being read for us by Viralyn Williams. Dear Mom and Dad are fighting. Can I send my infant son to an in-home daycare person who I found out is a Trump supporter? We are looking into daycare options for the fall and have called around a bunch of freestanding and in-home daycares. And I met with an in-home provider who I really liked. 
Her hours are flexible. She's really close by. She asks me a lot of great questions. And she's affordable. I found out that her family is a family of Trump-Pence supporters. Like MAGA hats, big signs in the yard, Trump supporters. We are basically raging liberals in all regards in our house. And I'm concerned that the large enough differences in our political views would absolutely infect our parenting style in a way that I'm not sure I want impacting my kid with that much regularity. Here's the other thing. I know that I am being judgmental, arguably justifiably, but still judgmental. I liked this person and I was leaning towards this daycare option before finding out this information. Am I molding the kind of closed-mindedness I'm also judging? It's not like this was a question on my daycare list. I don't know the political views of any other potential daycare providers. I was only able to find this out because of some digging on social media, which was later confirmed by other members in my community. I basically ruled this person out on account of this, but it's really eating me. What would you do? Sam, what would you do? Well, it's funny because I, I heard this question in its skeletal form first, you know, which is, should I, you know, send my kid to a daycare run by a Trump supporter? And my my immediate answer was, yes, come on. I mean, it's fine. Like you, you know, you made this decision. But then when it get in, gets into the part of them being like kind of like, you know, emphatic, like MAGA hat wearing, like lawn signs sticking out people, that sort of turned me against it a little bit. I mean, I, I feel like um, I, like a lot of people, I have Trump supporters in my family. Um they are wonderful um, with my daughter. I despise a lot of the things that they believe politically now and especially that are become much more apparent in the last couple of years. I'm currently fighting with one of them um, via email about uh, Samantha Bee and Roseanne Barr. Um, but, you know, they're they're great relatives. They, they are wonderful to my daughter. And I just you know, have to reconcile with that. Um, but of course, they're relatives, and I don't have a choice in that. And it's sending them to someone like a, a daycare provider that you're really entrusting your your child with for a huge chunk of the day is a big um, decision. And, you know, at that age, I, I wonder how much it, it affects it. And I feel like if you got a, a good vibe from them originally before you knew what their political inclinations are, my my inclination is to say sort of still still go with that but i think you're going to be talking to them a lot you're going to be dealing with them on an on a kind of intimate level if an issue comes up with your kid that you're going to have to um hash out with them this this seems like the kind of issue that could really get in the way of that i i don't really have as to me it's more clear cut i think um it isn't cool to you know as she pointed out, she doesn't know the political leanings of any of the other options she was considering. And that didn't even come into the equation until she you know, saw photos on social media and so forth. And it sounds like this daycare provider is good at her job. Um, I'm not certain with a one year old how much a person's uh, how they voted in an election uh, will come into play in terms of taking care of a baby. I mean, if there are policies at the daycare that you're uncomfortable with, that you feel aren't in line with your values, like if they don't accept kids from families that they don't feel aligned, that align with their sense of values or something like that, then yeah, don't send your kid to this daycare. But if that's not the case and you're comfortable with a childcare setting, I mean, let's be real. We interact with people in the world all the time with political beliefs 
may be completely out of whack with ours and we don't give it a second thought. And I understand you're thinking like, yes, but this is my child. I'm entrusting this person to take care of my child. But you don't know what the political beliefs are of your kid's school bus driver and you don't know what the political beliefs are of your child's teachers or your child's pediatrician or your child's dentist. We have no way of knowing those things. We have to judge people based on the competency of their work product, uh, their 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 level of caring, their um level of, you know, commitment to the job and the task at hand. It sounds like you found somebody great. And I, I do think there is somewhat of an element there of um, when you when she when she this letter inner writer inner talked about, you know, the divisiveness, like this is a little bit how we got here, right? By you know, painting ah, with these huge brushes. No, I'm just saying I, I live in New Hampshire, okay? Boo. So I, I'm Not I'm speaking from on the ground. Okay, I'm speaking from somebody on the ground politically. I'm not speaking from somebody. I'm not talking about a larger conversation. I don't know where this writer inner lives. I live in New Hampshire. I saw the primary and covered it firsthand. I know that the broad brush, when it comes to just making the decision on voting day, made a difference here. I can't say it made a difference in other places, and I can't say it made a difference, you know, in other political arenas, and I can't say it's making a difference now. However, I'm assuming that if she's talking about signs on a lawn, she's talking about election day, right? That's what's probably what she's talking about. So some people still I don't know. Up. Some people do. Sure, maybe they I mean she didn't see them when she went to interview her, right? She saw them when she dug around on social media. I'm just saying if we make a point to exclude Everybody in the world from our complete sphere because of how they voted in 2016. Like, how is that helpful going forward? I understand there are reasons to exclude people that have to do with what they believe and what their values are and whether or not they're racist and whether or not they, you know, are, are completely out of whack with your values. But how they voted, I, I don't know if I would be comfortable saying that disqualifies someone for a job. And that's basically what she's doing is she's hiring for a job here. And yes, it's personal because it's childcare, but a lot of people with a lot of jobs do come into contact with your kids. So I say give the childcare provider at least, you know, maybe keep them in the mix. And maybe you'll find somebody else you like just as much and you don't know who they voted for and it'll be fine and you'll feel better about keeping this person in the mix. I don't know. I, I just think that's not a disqualifier as far as I'm concerned. Okay, there's a couple things here. The first one is, are we at a point where we're going to consider like wearing those hats and putting up those signs? Is that like a valid proxy for, let's say, racism? Like, is that a valid proxy for like white supremacist beliefs? I think you can argue the case both ways. And if you decide sure. that it is, then you can definitely say, yeah, no, I'm not going to enter into some kind of contract with those people. Um, if you decide that it isn't necessarily a valid proxy, that there's plenty of Trump supporters who are, you know, economic anxiety or whatever you want to, or be, don't like being condescended to by liberals. So let's take away the family, the infant babies of refugees at the border because I'm so mad about Roseanne Barr, if, then fine, go ahead and, and let them take care of your kid. Um, I think there's definitely nothing wrong with using the information that you have to make a judgment. And, and you know, if this was the only daycare provider in your area, if this was the only daycare provider that you could afford and they also seem like they are nice to kids, then I, I don't think it's impermissible to, like, send your kid there. But if you want to say, well, here's a piece of information that I have and I want to factor that piece of information in as I make a comparative decision, that seems absolutely reasonable. And, and um, you know, we're always making these decisions – based on like the limited amount of information that we know. You get to more information about some people and more and less information about other people. And um, 
you know, you have to make a decision about where is your kid going to be spending the day for the next year or whatever it is. And and if you want to factor in the fact that there's like, it's not, you know, maybe we don't know 100% that they're like, uh, you know, anti-immigrant zealots, but um, certainly there's a high- She doesn't know anything about them you other do. than the fact you, that they had you, signs you, on their lawn. You, you know something about them. You, you, you know, you know, a, a, you know a set of beliefs that they're willing to endure. <laughs> well, it goes beyond how they voted, right? Because we know that they're supporters. You, you know, a right. set of well, beliefs that they're willing to endorse. And probably they don't endorse 100% of them, but apparently they endorse the majority of them. And you can use that as one of the factors that you consider when you make that decision. That seems very reasonable to me. You can do whatever you want. But the bottom line is, like, you don't know what the people in your, your life and your kids' lives believe and, and how they vote. You don't know that. Well, and you I, know something I about know. these people. You don't know everything I, about anybody, but you know something you know about it everybody. It is her choice. It is her choice. But I do think that... You know, if 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 there's a if there are lines to draw, and you were looking for childcare, and you found like a great solution, it it makes there's something about it. It make something about this makes me uncomfortable. The the dis, immediate disqualification of this person because of how they voted in 2016. It makes well, me uncomfortable. I, I, I'm not talking about disqualifying them, and I don't think the letter writer is talking about disqualifying them. But the question is whether you can factor that into a decision that has a number of factors. And it seems to me that it's very reasonable that you can. And I and I think it's yeah, it's not for me. Just from a gut level, it's not like just how they voted. I mean, it is it is a sort of emphatic Trump supporter part of it because if this is someone who voted for Bush, you know, or I mean, I I would not feel the same way. Um, I you know I do think you're right that it should not be a sort of a, a red line. I guess I mean it is it is like something to to factor in. Maybe it should be something to raise with him. I think it kind of also maybe depends on who the kid is. We don't have any information. I mean, if this is like a child of color, for example, right. I would feel you know, less secure in trusting them to. Well, so given that, shouldn't that affect the way you feel about trusting a white kid to them? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I actually agree with that. But that's why, I mean, I think that having that conversation, if you really want to get down to it, is important because you want to know what the, you know, what the policies are, like how they, how do they treat people? How, like what, how do they feel about like humanity and human beings? Um, And I, I I guess, I guess my issue is, I think, I think part of it is that she didn't have that conversation. She made this judgment based on what she saw on Facebook and then what she heard from other people. But all of her in-person communications with this woman were great. Right. So there's an opportunity there to have the conversation she didn't have. She made a judgment based on secondhand information and didn't take that opportunity to maybe dig there. How How would you open that conversation? How about opening it by saying, hey, I happen to know that you're, you know, I, I happen to see on social media that you're a Trump supporter. You know, I, I'm wondering if, you know, you have policies that would make me uncomfortable as a flaming liberal. I mean, why not have just that conversation? Why well, not just have it? Yeah, sure. That that seems right to me. And it seems she's not hiring her for a workplace. So it would not be illegal to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a fine idea to have that conversation. And and it seems pretty likely that if you go in and say you're a Trump supporter, I'm a flaming liberal. Let's talk about your policies and whether we're both comfortable with them. It, it seems like there's a, quite a high likelihood that you end up getting into some kind of conflict that that winds up kind of scotching the opportunity to place your child in their daycare, right? 
Not, or maybe not. Maybe, or maybe, maybe you've been somebody sure. who just said, you know what, I I was really into the campaign. It really hasn't turned out the way that I thought it would. I've been really disappointed. I really don't agree with a lot of what's going on. Or maybe you get somebody who says- I loved the part where like, he called the Mexicans rapists. I loved that part right at the beginning. But but since then, he's disappointed me. Yeah. What if what if you get to where the person says, it wasn't me, it was my husband, and I completely disagree with him? Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, I mean, not to get too, you know, sort of idealistic about it, but I mean, ultimately, like, the world we want to model for our kids and one in which we do have these uncomfortable conversations and don't kind of sneak around behind people's backs and see what they posted on Facebook and then and then kind of make decisions based on that. So it's a, it's a hard conversation to have and one that, I mean, I live, as I said, I live in Philadelphia. I mean, there are you know, like a few dozen Trump voters in the entire city. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's extremely hard to run into a Trump voter, especially in my part of, of Philadelphia. So this really, this issue does not come up. But, uh, um, you know, I've done it with relatives and these, these are hard conversations to have, but I, we don't want to yeah. raise our kids in a world where people don't have them because they're hard. I guess, and I guess that kind of speaks to where I'm coming from too, because if I, you know, I'm a journalist and I, uh, you know, live around in, in a pretty liberal town and um, surrounded by open-minded people who use facts to make their decisions. But if I were to eliminate anybody who voted for Donald Trump from my life, uh, whether they interact with my kids, um, I could, it would be like that show. What was that TV show where people like rent every, like four percent of everybody just disappeared? Le- like the leftovers, like 40%. yeah, forty yeah. percent, yeah, yeah. Because I because this is there's, there's just. This is not that's not the way that it is in a lot of in a lot of America. And, you know, the, at some point, at some point, it, it's sort of like, you know, isn't the world that you want to model also to try to, like, be compassionate to people who might just completely be wrong about things and, you know, give them the opportunity to have a dialogue with you? Sure. Yes. You know, all, I'm just all of saying this. at and, the same time, the the daycare provider occupies a different role from like the person who you buy groceries from. Right. The, the hmm. it, It's a more intimate role. They have a, a more a tighter and, and deeper and hopefully richer connection to you and your family than than most of the people that you interact with in a given day. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, well, I'm going to run into a lot of Trump supporters in the course of my day, but I don't necessarily want one taking care of my kid for eight hours. Well, a what day, about the relative situation? What well, happens there, when you have a relative? Then there's nothing you can do. And that's Are a you hard to situation cut the person that out? you have to negotiate. No, of course not. But but then you're kind of stuck with them in a way. Right. And they, and they are also, you? and they are also stuck <laughs> well, in, in many cases. I mean, and, and they are also, you know, they are also kind of stuck with your kid. I mean, they have, you know, they have a relationship with you that goes way back. Um, that kid is their, you know, niece or nephew or grand whatever. Um, and they are, they are connected to him, to them in that way as well. And I think they will, you know, cut you a certain amount of slack despite your idiot liberal views Hopefully. as well. Yeah. Uh, but this the, with the daycare provider, that's a case where like you have a choice to make and you have the opportunity not to have a Trump supporter taking care of your kids eight hours a day. And, and if you want to avail yourself of that opportunity, that that seems fine to me. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Dear Mom and Dad of Fighting, I buy myself fairly expensive shower stuff, shampoo, soap, etc., because it's really the one thing I semi-splurge on for myself. 
and I budget slash save up specifically to be able to buy it when it runs out. My husband and I have asked my stepkids, Miss 13 in particular, not to use my stuff, and I keep it on a shelf on the other side of the shower from theirs so it doesn't accidentally get grabbed. This doesn't sway her, however, and it extends to everything, even my razor. If this was an, oh, I'm out of soap, let me grab this, I would understand, but they have tons of their own in the shower and in the cabinet. They pick out their own stuff when they're at the grocery store, so while we might not shell out the big bucks all the time, there's opportunities to get what you want. It stopped for a while a couple of months ago when I explained why it's really gross to share razors, but in the past few weeks, Miss 14 has been using my BB shower gel, which was a gift to me for my birthday. It's half gone and I've only used it twice, so it's not like I'm sitting here measuring it out. I'm at the point now where I'm going to buy a shower caddy and do this dorm style and keep it tucked away in my room unless I'm showering. For what it's worth, this boundary towing exists elsewhere too. It's everything, my makeup, other people's leftovers or snacks. So please help. We need advice trying to help them understand that just because you can see it or know that it's there, that doesn't mean you can take it without asking. Hmm. I love this question. Because I really relate to it on both sides. I really relate to being a 14-year-old who just wants to be able to live in a house and think of everything that's in in the house as also mine. You know, I I had these feelings as a teenager when I had a stepdad who I know I've talked a lot about my stepdad on the show and how wonderful he was. But when I was a kid, I hated him like we did not get along at all. We developed our relationship much later. um, And um, a lot of it was around this boundary stuff. He had certain foods that we weren't allowed to eat or certain, you know, places in the house that he didn't want us to leave our things or certain products that he didn't want us to use or he wanted to put have things like be a certain, you know, put away in a certain place and if but, but you know if I wanted to put in a different place like I remember we had this big battle over whether or not I could have just like a hook in my room on the back of the closet door to like hang like a giant towel that I really liked because like it didn't fit on the like little towel thing. And it was like a huge battle. And he was like, you need to ask permission to drill a hole in the closet door. You can't just do that. You know, it's our house, blah, 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 blah. And I remember as a kid being like, wait, but don't I live here too? Like I live here. I really want to have uh, like an equal say. I want to be able to eat the food. I want to be able to use the stuff. I want to be able to hang up my towel where I want to hang my towel. It's my room. I want to be able to drill a hole in the back of the closet door. And then as a parent, um, and I have to say, I had these boundary issues much more with my stepdaughter than I did with my own kids. So I think that's one of the reasons why I like this question so much is I think it speaks to that. Uh, my my kids, especially Teddy, like take stuff from me all the time. He always takes the my phone charger from which I keep next to my bed. It's always just gone when I go to bed and then I have to like hunt for it. I it's either up in his room or in the office where he's been playing with a computer. And I just and I don't really have any feelings about it. I'm just like, oh, where's the phone? Come on. Please just put it back after you use it. Blah, 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 blah. You know, he's taken like um 
we had it for a while. We had this like piggy bank thing and he was like always taking all the quarters from it. And it was always just like eye roll like, Teddy, you can't just like take the quarters and leave all the pennies. That's really, you know, it's we didn't ask and blah, blah, blah. And we just sort of I rolled. I just sort of rolled my eyes around it. But then when Lily would like use my stuff or take stuff, like I would be more angry about it. It would feel like more of a boundary issue. Like, um, so I wonder how much that that plays into it. And I think the key is here. You know, if it's about clearly we're not talking about I mean, maybe we are, you know, if, if your kid is going into your purse and into your wallet and taking money from you, uh, that's a different conversation. We're talking about things that are around the house that this these kids want to use or this daughter, stepdaughter wants to use. She feels like it's there <laughs> and she wants to use it and it's yours and you don't want to share it and you have those feelings. So. I really think you have one option here, which is to get the shower caddy and just not make the stuff available because this girl's drive to live in this house and avail herself of the things around her is natural and it's really strong. And um, I don't think saying, please don't use my shampoo anymore is going to work because it hasn't been working. So if this is as big a deal to you as it sounds like it is, I would just keep the stuff for yourself. Keep it private. Draw the boundary that way and make it so that it's not... Uh, an opportunity uh, for her to piss you off because I, I don't think that like, you know, obviously the buying her her own shampoo thing didn't work and it all didn't work. But this I, I think what's important here is to, to understand what, what the driver is and to be compassionate about it and to take it into consideration when you are redrawing these boundaries, i.e. buying a sh shower caddy. It's not that your stepdaughter is trying to piss you off. She just wants to live in the house and avail herself of the things that are around her. She wants to spread her wings. She wants to feel as comfortable being there and availing herself of the stuff as you are. She feels like she's trying to draw some boundaries around herself that make her feel like a whole person and not a visitor when she comes to stay with you. And I think it's important to take those teenage feelings into, into consideration when you are talking about it and definitely buying that shower caddy because i i really don't think she's doing this to be malicious i don't think she's trying to needle you i just think you have good stuff and she wants to use it and she sees it there and she lives there and she hasn't quite yet made the connection about you know that she can't um i don't know that that's how i feel about it maybe just because i have my own visceral connection to the way the way the stepdaughter is doing here i bet you're uh, right but so, i would i would add yeah. one thing to that which is I bet by this point, the mom has made enough of a deal out of don't take my stuff that when the stepdaughter takes the stuff, she's saying, no, fuck you. I'm going to take your stuff because I live here Maybe. too and you're not my that real mom be. and this is my house too and I'm going to do it. And, and I think the, the more the stepmother makes a deal out of that, the more don't take my stuff. This is my stuff and not your stuff. You have your own stuff. The more those rules become like salient and, and, and vivid, um, the more the stepdaughter is going to be like, no, fuck that. I get to take what so I want. So take it off the table, right? Yeah, use that's the shower right. caddy. That's take right. it off use, the table. Use, use the shower <laughs> caddy, but, but don't make a big announcement about like, well, you took enough of my stuff. You stole my stuff so much that now I'm going to keep it under lock and key. And now you don't get to take my stuff anymore. How do you like that, Missy? Don't do it like that. Just quietly sort of disappear it and then like try not to bring this up at all and leave some other stuff lying around that she can take and try to make her feel like everything that's around is there for her to take. And if there's something that you don't want her to take, just make sure it's not there. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree with the, the shower caddy solutions and the, the quiet, the stealth shower caddy solution seems like the way to go with this. The, the only 
part of the original question that that still sticks with me is the part where they sort of begin saying, well, you know, maybe this is petty. I don't I don't think this is petty at all. First of all, this this stuff um, is expensive um, and this stuff that are chewing through it like it's uh, paper. Um, but also, you know, as Gabe said, I mean, this is a sort of an issue that's been established and that she's kind of, you know, boundary. She's kind of, you know, deliberately kind of butting up against at this point. So this is a real issue. And I think it's it's fair to feel that it is and treat it like one. Doesn't it feel like an avatar for something else? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely feels like it's it's about something else. And I think that, you know, what I'm hearing from the stepmom here, too, is that, like, I, I need something that is just mine. I, I you know I need to have yeah. she's chosen these bath all products. these fucking teenagers in my house. It's driving <laughs> right. me crazy. Right. It's I mean, it's a, she's it's chosen a... these bath products. but yeah. They are a substitute for her needing to feel like she is a whole person who exists outside of being step parents to these kids that just like run, you know, rampant through the house and, and probably take away what she feels like is a piece of her yeah. that somehow just is no longer there. Because now she's a stepmom first and foremost. There's you know? nothing petty about any of this. It's so interesting, Rebecca, that you feel totally chill when your biological children take your stuff and then your stepdaughter yep. takes something and you're like, yeah, what are you yep. doing? You're a usurper. You've come onto my property and you're taking my That's possessions. Right. It, and and I know you to be like a person who's committed to being a really good step parent and to being thoughtful yep. about it. And you really care about Lily, I know. And yet there's some kind of, at some level that's below all of your good intentions and all of your conscious awareness, there's, there's some sort of stuff around possession and ownership that this stuff absolutely and that's that's why the step thing i mean i am really aware of it i think the only reason why it hasn't come into play in our relationship is because i i feel the feelings and i just put a lid on them because i'm like it's not right i know it's not right i know i don't feel that way when teddy does it and that's how i know it's like wrong (laughs) that's how i know it's about something else um but and i think though if i didn't have henry and teddy and i had and i didn't have those feelings to compare it to I wouldn't be aware of the fact that this is actually about something else. And it is. It's about competition. It's about all those weird, like, step things that come into play that are real things on both sides of the equation. And people always forget about this. Like, you know, the kids didn't choose this at all. (laughs) They didn't. And probably when they're at their mom's house, they can use whatever the hell kind of shampoo she has lying around. That's probably how it works there. Um, And, you know, that's why, I mean, obviously this is not what it's actually about. But like, I I do deeply agree with both of you when you say like, just stop talking about it, because talking about it is definitely elevating it and making it like the main thing when it's really about boundaries and other things altogether. All right. Hope that one was helpful. Let us know uh, how it goes. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Time now for us to do recommendations. This is where we recommend things to you. That's what the word recommendations means. Rebecca, do you have something to recommend to the folks? 
I do. I've been thinking a lot about um, the teen dramas that are really popular right now. In particular, you know, Netflix, 13 Reasons Why has been really popular. I I look at all these like terrible shows that Lily was really into uh, when she was a preteen and a teen, like The Vampire Diaries and like um, uh, The Big Little Liars or whatever it was called. And they're all terrible. They're terrible shows. Um, but I just want to be clear. Big a... Little Lies was a good show. Pretty Little Liars is the team. <laughs> pretty, pretty, one that's, a, that, that, I'm sorry, that's what yeah. I mean. That's what I mean. Pretty Little Liars. I'm talking yeah. about. Anyway, um, you know, they have their appeal, uh, but they're not good. And they also have, by the way, some very adult themes in them. They have adult themes of sexual assault and suicide and like all these like very swirling things that like teenagers are really attracted to. So I'm going to make this recommendation that if you have a preteen or teenager who's into this like super intense material with adult themes but is for teenagers and that voice go back in time look on uh, your streaming services and make them watch veronica mars the kind of granddaddy tv show that introduced a uh, teenage uh, character who was investigating crimes one of them by the way being her own sexual assault it is a noir style it is an outstanding television show and when we introduced lily to it a couple of years ago when she was uh, really interested in all these like teen dramas she loved it and because it's smart and fun and interesting and filmed in this totally different way um it's it's just really great it stars cursed kristen bell uh it's kind of the first thing that she was in that people know her from and um if you if you've missed it because your kids were really young when it was on or because perhaps it was in that era of tv like in between when you weren't watching tv and now you are again which is a lot of people that early 2000s shows have kind of disappeared uh, and off the cultural radar in, in, in some respects. Veronica Mars, I really recommend it highly. Check it out with your teenager if they're into that kind of stuff. Nice. I'm going to recommend something we did last weekend, uh, the sleepover at the American Museum of Natural History. If you're in the New York Ooh. area or somewhere nearby, um, you can get tickets on the American Museum of Natural History website. They uh, basically, on Saturday nights, they, they put out like hundreds and hundreds of cots. We wound up sleeping in, in the room with the giant whale and the big diorama of the squid fighting the sperm whale. And um, it's just great. You, you show up at like 6.30, you go in the cafeteria for pizza for dinner, and then you spend the whole evening basically like running around the museum. I went with Eliza and her cousin. You have to be six years old or older. So I went with Eliza and her cousin uh, and and the two of them just like running around the exhibit halls, mostly deserted, checking out the dinosaur skeletons and the animals and the dioramas. And they just had so much fun. It has a real feeling of like sneaking around and getting away with something. Um, and then you go in the IMAX theater and watch a 3D movie about uh, botanists in, in uh, South America. And then um, at midnight, everybody goes to sleep in the museum and it feels really cool and exciting. Um, she had that a great sounds so cool. Yeah, she had a great time and so did I. <laughs> Um, we'll, put the, we'll put the link on our website. But uh, you can also Google just Natural History Museum Sleepovers. Sam, what about you? What do you recommend? I'm also going to recommend something from a recent weekend activity. Um, this particular thing is called Treetop Quest. I think there are probably other things like it uh, all over the place. This one, there's one outside Philadelphia. Uh, there are apparently two in Atlanta and one in Winona, Mississippi. So if you happen to be in any of those locales, you can just do this thing. But this is um, basically sort of a, a 
you know, up in the air ropes course, there are, you know, as you might expect, trees around. There are kind of various levels you uh, kind of clip into a safety line. There are obstacles you walk across. There are zip lines you go down. There are, you know, four different levels of, of difficulty that, um, you know, sort of involve various levels of both um, fear of heights and also a physical exertion. Um as you may be able to tell from the podcast, um, I'm a rather chatty sort. And then you know, we do a lot of sort of, you know, talking, you know, based activities in our family. And to do something like this where you're basically just kind of using your body, really most of the conversations are having or one person gets across this obstacle and they'll clear and the other person comes. And that's, you know, most of what you're doing for a couple of hours is a really great way, you know, for, for parents to get out of their heads, but also just to have a kind of different sort of interaction with your child. And, and you really build up. It's it's clearly designed to kind of build, you know, confidence and um, other things as you kind of go up level to level. And, and uh, you know, I am probably more nervous with heights than my child is. So we were kind of, do, you know, we we're doing it together in that respect as well. So that was a lot of fun, um, little, nice little bit of exercise as well. That's awesome. And that's our show. If you have a question that you want us to tackle, you can call us at 424-255-7833, or you can send us an email, momanddadatslate.com. If you are not yet a member of our Facebook group, you should be joining it now, facebook.com slash groups slash Slate Parenting, or just go to Facebook, type Slate Parenting in the search box. Uh, There's a great conversation about the show every week, and in between there are dozens more conversations where parents like you are sharing their problems and their triumphs and their fails. Uh, It's a great conversation. Get to it. Our show is produced by Benjamin Frisch. Carvel Wallace will be back next week. For Rebecca Lavoie and Sam Adams, I'm Gabriel Roth. We'll see you next time. 